Welcome to So We're Late Podcast, where guest speakers visit every Thursday night. Don't forget to follow for new content every week. To experience a full encounter with Christ, visit Holy Name of Jesus Catholic Church at 1977 West Jefferson Boulevard, Los Angeles, California, and call 818-745-1771 or visit SoWe'reLate.com for more information. Well, we can get started with a prayer for the talk in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father God, for allowing us to be here gathered at the holy name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity to be in your presence, to be here gathered. There are more than two or three, so we feel blessed. Amen. Amen. And Father, I pray right now that you send your Holy Spirit We pray in the name of Jesus that we may be transformed through this message, that it may give us perspective, that it may allow us to pursue a vision, Lord, a vision as to what you want to do in each one of our lives and also in the ministry. We also pray for the intercession of our Blessed Mother, my patron saint, St. Francis, and I also pray that we may maintain a prayerful attitude throughout this message. Amen. Amen. Wanted to see, let me see if I can get a chair over here. <laughs> All right. How many of you guys feel blessed tonight? You? No, you guys don't convince me. <laughs> How many of you guys feel blessed tonight? <laughs> All right. Just give me one second so I can uh, pull this up. Okay, a prophetic call to thrive is the name of the message. What's the name of the message? A prophetic call to thrive. When I was asked to share this message, I was a little bit confused. I was like, whoa, what does it mean? What do you want me to share about? So we're sort of going to learn about something called vision. Amen? Something called what? We're going to learn about prophecy a little bit, and we're each going to learn about maybe, or we're, we're going to, maybe some of us are still discovering what our call is, right? And uh, I'll start off by reading a scripture passage. This is in Habakkuk. I'm going to be reading from my computer. Habakkuk. Sounds, sounds funny, right? Habakkuk. Habakkuk. And it says, then the Lord answered me and said, write down the vision. Write down the what? Make it plain upon tablets so that the one who reads it may run. For the vision is a witness for the appointed time, a testimony to the end. It will not disappoint. If it delays, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not be late. The word of the Lord. Okay, so the scripture is saying the Lord told him to do what? To write. Amen? To write down a vision. So this prophet was probably in prayer, in the presence of the Lord. Amen? Now, he had a vision. He saw something, but... The Lord was also asking him 
to write it down. What happens when we don't write things down, right? You come up with a New Year's resolution. Uh, I'm going to have a six-pack by the end of 2023. And then eventually, like, a few days pass, and you're like, what did I tell my buddy the other day, right? But if you write it down, right, it's helpful. You write it down, and then you, you, you come up with a plan. All right, I'm going to go to uh, speak to a representative of 24-Hour Fitness, for example, or Gold's Gym, right? So you write it down, and then you come up with a plan. So here the Lord is telling the prophet to write it down. Then it says, for the, wis- for the vision is a witness for the appointed time, a testimony about the end. It will not disappoint. If it delays, wait for it. It will surely come. How many guys have ever had God put something in your life? Like, like, like something that you want and God is telling you, you're going to get it. You ever been there? Right? And then some time passes and it doesn't happen. And then you're like, man, what's going on? Right? So the Lord is telling this prophet, okay, here's a vision and it's going to come at a time. Right? Maybe some of the things the Lord was telling Habakkuk didn't necessarily uh, be fulfilled in his time, but maybe they're being fulfilled in our time, right? Or as as time went on, he wrote it down, other people read it, and then they're like, oh, okay. So now I want to tell you something that uh, my mom, many years ago, I thought she was high, right? When she told me this odd thing, right? What am I talking about? Actually, the truth was, I was the stoner in the family. I was the one that uh, smoked weed and, and got in trouble, and you know, um, I was the uh, sort of the embarrassment of the family, right? Um, my mom would talk about my brother to ladies on the phone. She would say, "Ay, Oscar sacó buenas calificaciones," and then I would hear like on on the phone, "Y Pepe." And my mom would quickly change the subject, right? Because I was always getting in trouble. I was always messing around. But one day, I'm in the kitchen. My mom is right across from me, right? We would always get into it. We would always argue. And guess what we fought about? You'll never guess. Religion. The faith. Jose, ve a la iglesia. Hay un grupo juvenil. And I was like, man, I'm not going to that thing, man. That thing is boring. There's a bunch of nerds there, right? People with, no, I'm just kidding, yeah, stop. There's a bunch of nerds there, I would tell my mom. Pura gente tonta y aburrida, ama. Jose, no digas eso, right? My mom would get all animated and all heated. And, and sure enough, this day she came up with this crazy, crazy idea. I think she was, she must have got in my stash, I thought, at the moment. Because she said that I was going to serve God one day. And she said that I was going to bring young people to Christ. She said that Mary told her this in a dream, right? And she also mentioned somebody named Francis, who I didn't know who he was, St. Francis of Assisi. Um, I didn't, I, I, I kind of knew a little bit, right, from being in Catholic churches, like the guy with the tunic and the bald head and the funny haircut, right? And she said that St. Francis was in heaven praying for me, right? Now, at the time, I was, you know, getting high and drinking and, you know, had a few hidden, uh, uh, some magazines that I, I won't mention the titles, but they were hidden in my, in my mattress or under the bed in those days. 
And uh, I really didn't like church. I thought church was boring. I was there because, you know, my mom had, she had pinched me into being uh, there a lot of times, right? And now she's telling me that I'm going to bring people to the Lord one day. Young people, right? That wasn't my plan. My plan was to have fun. I was going to be an old man with a lot of, surrounded by a lot of beer, surrounded by a lot of friends, surrounded by what I thought was, you know, some, some bongs. I mean, I'm just being honest. This is how I thought at the time. And my mom thought that, or she said that Mary told her that I was going to uh, bring young people to the Lord, right? Now, now time has passed, right? Um, I don't know, maybe 30 years or so from, from, that, from that moment when she told me this. Um, and it's sort of come to pass, right? Amen? It's kind of come to pass. I'm not trying to be arrogant, but I've, I've given a few talks. I've been to a few places, right? And now I look back at that thing that she was telling me, that vision she was giving me for my life, and I say, ah, maybe she was right. Amen? So my, my role, and, you know, Deacon has a role, Jesse has a role, everybody has a role, Right? A call, a vision for your life. One thing is a vision, right? You see Jesus, and Jesus is smiling at you, and you get flooded with the love of God. And then there's vision. Vision meaning somewhere to go, something to do, right? Many times, a vision will start from where you come from. What am I talking about? Your past, that area where you were broken, that thing you used to do, right? Amen? Um, so my calling, I feel like, is evangelist. If you want to be an evangelist and share the word, you got to like driving, right? You got to be okay with traffic. You got to be okay with being at some groups. Sometimes I go to groups, I'll just uh, confess, and people will come up to me afterwards, and they'll say, man, when you walked in, man, I said, who is this guy? Who is this who is this skinhead, right? <laughs> Sometimes they'll tell me things like that. Or, or we, we thought you were here. I remember one time I went to a parish. I won't say where. Yeah, it was St. Cecilia. And when I was there, um, the father of the coordinator was following me around. I asked him where the bathroom was, and he was following me around. And he, he didn't think I spoke Spanish. It was a Spanish youth group. And he, he was just watching me the whole time. And, and, and I was like... Finally, I said, he, he said, who are you? And I said, I'm the preacher of tonight. Oh, okay, okay. He was re really, really surprised, right? Okay, now, how many guys know the vision of the sower, El Sembrador, right? Where does it come from? It's from a saint, right? Huh? There we go, okay. Um, so this is the vision that uh, El Sembrador or, or Noel Diaz uh, took. And it says this, this would have its full significance if it is your commitment, not of re-evangelization, but of a new evangelization. New in its ardor, in its methods, and in its expression. Quote by St. John Paul II, Amen. And as I went to the SOAR website, I looked up and it says, our vision is that all may be fulfilled by experiencing God's love and grace. How many of you guys have experienced God's love and grace? Raise your hand. Amen. All right. Let's give you guys a round of applause. 
Now the challenge is to give it to other people. Amen? Amen? Okay, now let's get into the Word. How many of you guys brought your Bibles or a phone or something to read with? Let's go to Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah chapter 1. This is a passage from the Old Testament. And I like it because Nehemiah has vision, the type of vision we're talking about. And I'll just start reading Nehemiah 1, verse 1 says this, the words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the month Kislev of the 20th year, I was in the citadel of Susa when Hanani, one of my brothers, came with other men from Judah. Let me just stop there really quickly and tell you that he's in a foreign land. It's possible that Nehemiah didn't necessarily... Um, um, uh, live in Jerusalem or in Israel. It's possible that he was born in this pagan land. And uh, so, but he's a Jew at heart. Amen. Just like me, when I hear about stories about Mexico and I hear about like nautical violence, it hurts me, right? Amen. Because my parents are from Mexico. And when I see things happening over there, it hurts me. So Nehemiah is a Jew at heart. And he's curious about how his people are doing. So basically what happened in the year 587, the Babylonians came into Israel, destroyed the Jews, destroyed the temple, and took their people into captivity. Took them back to a foreign land, and they became the subjects of these other people, right? So Nehemiah is curious. How are they doing? Ask your neighbor how are you doing? <laughs> now answer him. Are you doing okay today? <laughs> so it says, I asked them about the Jews, the remnant preserved after the captivity and about Jerusalem. So there were some Jews that got taken captive. And then there were some that were still in Jerusalem struggling over there. So he's curious, how are my people doing? Como esta mi gente, right? And this is what they tell him. The survivors of the captivity there in the province are in great distress. How are they doing? Distress. Have you ever been there? Let me tell you one thing before I keep going, that being in distress in the path of God, struggling in this path, is so much better than being in the world. I remember the things, I remember waking up in, uh, uh, one morning, right, or, or, or waking up, and I was like, how'd I get here, right? I had drank all night. I remember that I was at a bar, and people were handing me liquor, and next thing you know, I'm waking up in the morning. I'm like, how'd I get in this front yard, right? Who, whose house am I at, right? So uh, be struggling in this path and going through moments of depression is way better than the old days, right, when I didn't know the Lord. So the survivors of the captivity are in great distress and under reproach. The wall of Jerusalem has been breached, its gates gutted by fire. The walls have been destroyed. Now, let me explain this to you, right? So when you have a city, right, let's say the Sower LA is a city, right, or holy name of Jesus. And let's just say that across the street, there's some enemies, right? 
how would we defend ourselves? We would build walls, right? So that those enemies couldn't come in, right? So they'd be outside shooting their slingshot and throwing rocks at us and uh, trying to get inside. Now, one of the things that the soldiers would do would be destroy the walls. They would get close and then they would destroy the walls and then they could what? They could what? Walk right in. If they kept the walls destroyed, that meant that you had no defenses, right? And when we backslide, when we struggle in the path, when we go back, right, we become that way. The enemy, little by little, I've gone through this before. It sucks when you start slipping and sliding, and next thing you know, you come to church, and you pretend like everything's good, but in reality, your walls are down, and when you leave here, you know you're going to go struggle or do something that you didn't do before, right? It's not good, right? So let's see what happens to Nehemiah when he hears about his people. So the Bible tells us that he wept. Repeat after me. He wept. Was there anybody in the Bible that also wept over Jerusalem? Jesus, amen? Okay. So Nehemiah weeps. He's hurt. He can't believe the news about his people. He heard bad news. I guess he was hoping that he would hear good things. Instead, he heard they weren't doing so well. He heard that the city was destroyed. And the Bible tells us that he does something. Amen. Let's go to uh, verse Six, it says he prayed. Amen. So now when you have if you have a vision, right, or a goal in mind for the Lord, the first thing you need to do is starts with the P, ends with the Y is what? You need to pray, right? You need to pray. You need to be on your knees. You need to go visit the blessed sacrament. You need to go places, go out into nature, go to the beach. You need to spend time with the Lord. This is a hard thing for some people. Many times when I started in the path of God, I used to use the youth group as the day to pray, right? The rest of the week, I wouldn't really pray, right? I studied, I did things, I read, I went to the gym, and then I realized, oh my gosh, I'm not spending personal time with God. So let's go to verse 6. It says, may your ears be attentive. Who's, who's he talking to? To God. And your eyes be open to hear the prayer that I, your servant, now offer in your presence day and night for your servants, the Israelites. So what's he doing? What's this brother doing? He's in a foreign land. He hears bad news. He's hurting. He's weeping. Did he go into depression? Did he slice his wrist? Did he stay in bed all day? No. The Bible tells us that he got on his knees and he began to pray. He began to pray that God would reveal a plan, that the vision that he had would come to pass. Amen? So this is what he continues to say. Says, confessing, says... Confessing the sins we have committed against you, I and my ancestral house included, we have greatly offended you, not keeping the commandments, the statutes, and the ordinance you entrusted to your servant Moses. So why were the Jews in this position? Why were they struggling? 
Why had they lost the vision? Disobedience. Sin. Amen? And here's Nehemiah. He's confessing the sins of the people. He's confessing his own sins, and he's praying for them. The Bible tells us this. They are your servants, your people, whom you freed by your great might and strong hand. Did the Lord do miracles for the Jews? Say amen. Lord, may your ears be attentive to the prayer of your servant and all of your servants who willingly revere your name. Grant success to your servant this day and let him find favor with this man, for I was cupbearer to the king. So did Nehemiah have a vision? Yes. His vision was that he wanted to return to his homeland, but he didn't know how to do it. He didn't know. How, uh, he knew he was next to a very important man. Let me just say one more thing. His title was he was a cupbearer to the king. He was a what? He held the cup. And let me tell you, to be a cupbearer, you needed to know, you needed to be cultured. Amen? Any cultured people here? Hello, how are you? No, I'm kidding. I don't know why. When I think of cultured, I think of an English accent. Um, you needed to be cultured. Secondly, you needed to be able to converse in politics, right? Ooh, I hate politics, right? You needed to be knowledgeable in the law, and you had to be handsome. I would have qualified. Amen. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I don't know about Christian. Just, just kidding. <laughs> you had to be handsome. You had to know the law. You had to know politics. Now, let me tell you one more thing about this job. It was dangerous. Amen. You want to know why it was dangerous? So when they brought the king food, the king, amen, there was people that didn't like the king and wanted to poison the king. So guess who had to taste the food? Nehemiah had to taste the food. He had to go sample it. He had to take a sip of the wine. Now, the good news is that uh, if the food and the wine was poisoned, the king would be preserved, right? Amen? But what would happen to Nehemiah or any other cup bearer? Rest in peace, right? Deceased. So Nehemiah has been praying. Nehemiah has been fasting. Amen. He's been praying for the vision that the vision has come to pass. He didn't sit down, right? He didn't just uh, say, God, make me a preacher, please. And then sit down, right? And just say, oh, man, I hope one day Deacon Doug uh, 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 picks me or asks me to go up there, right? No, that means you got to take some Bible studies. You got to pray. You got to fast. You got to be active, right? Amen. If you want to be part of the choir, you got to uh, practice singing, right? I, I don't know what they do because I don't have that gift, right? When I sing, uh, I, I hear the angel say, hey, hey, I see a vision, right? And, and it's always stop it, right? Amen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, parale, right? Okay, good. So let's keep going. Now, let's go to Nehemiah 2, verse 4 opportunity. What did I just say? Opportunity. Oportunidad en español. Amen. Where's my water? Here it is. Opportunity. He's been praying. He's been in, in the presence of the Lord. He's had a vision to repair the walls of Jerusalem. 
to motivate his people. And here goes verse 4. And now here's another thing. Did you know that if you were sad in the presence of the Lord, that could also get you killed? Right? You needed to be happy all the time. You needed to be joking. Amen? You needed to have a good spirit, good attitude. Nobody likes a Debbie Downer. Amen? Right? A pessimist. Right? Hey, bro, you got married. Yeah, but she's too short. Right? (laughs) Hey, bro, you bought a new car. Yeah, man, but as I, was, as I went to pick it up when I was coming back, I got a flat tire. It's like there's always something, right? Right? Amen? Sometimes I fall into that, right? Amen? Amen. So here, here it goes. The king asked me. Okay. Oh, wait. Let's go back here. It says, okay. Um, here we go. In the... In the month of the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when the wine was in my charge, I took some and offered it to the king. Because I had never been sad in his presence, the king asked me, why do you look sad? What did the king ask him? That's a good, uh, the king was a good therapist, amen. Why do you look sad, right? If you are not sick, you must be sad at heart. Though I was seized with great fear, remember, like, if you were sad in the presence of the king, what could happen to you? You could could die. He could decide to kill you on the spot, right? So he was a little nervous. But the Bible says, but remember, who's behind this story? Who's behind the vision? God, the Lord. The Lord was with Nehemiah, and God was going to use this king to help the Jews. So the king asked them, why are you sad? And I was seized with great fear. And then all of a sudden he says, how could I not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates are consumed by fire? The king asked me, what is it then that you wish? I prayed to the God of heaven. The king asked him something, but what did he do first? What did he do first? He prayed. What must you do as God is putting something in your heart? Because I've seen people make mistakes. Deacon, have you ever seen somebody make a mistake? Hey, I think God is asking me to leave my wife, right? And then you're like, okay, tell me more, brother. And they're like, well, you know, we've been married for 20 years. She doesn't like church. And, but you guys are sacramentally married, right? And he's like, yeah. And then next thing you know, as you ask a little more and you probe, you'll discover there's some younger person who, quote, unquote, is willing to go to church with that person. And you're like, huh, right? So sometimes people will make mistakes. Nehemiah prayed, amen? Before doing anything, as the king asked them, what do you want to do? The Bible says Nehemiah did what? He prayed. And then it says, if it please the king and your servant is deserving, deserving of your favor, send me to Judah, to the city where my ancestors are buried, that I may rebuild it. That I may what? Then the king with the queen seated beside him asked me, how long will your journey take and when will you return? My answer was acceptable to the king and he agreed to let me go. I set a date for my return. So what happened with the king? 
did the king say, no, I need you here. I need you to taste the food. God was behind this vision, amen? And I remember many years ago, right, when my mom told me this foolish vision or dream that she had, and she told me that I was going to serve the Lord, I thought she was nuts. I didn't know what she was talking about, right? But I remember when I came to the youth group, and I, and, and, uh, I started to see something real interesting, right? I don't know why, but I fell in love with the Word of God. I remember I was at St. Gerard's prayer group and, and there I was watching some of the adults and they would pick up the Bible and they would run over to uh, somebody and this person had some marital problems and then they would open the Bible. The only Bible I knew would be like at my aunt's house, right? Big old humongous Bible, right? That weighed like a couple pounds or 20 pounds, right? It had dust all over it. And it never opened. They never opened it. It was an adorno, right? But here I was at St. Gerard's Parish, and these brothers would open the Bible, would go to a passage, would share it with the person, and they would say, uh, God is telling me about this situation, that you need to do this or you need to do that. Then they'd open up to another passage, then another passage. And I was like, whoa, you can use the Bible that way, right? Amen. So I started studying, and I started reading, and next thing you know, I was going to St. Thomas, to El Sembrador, and, and to all these different groups, wherever there was Bible study, or preaching, or talking about the Bible, I wanted to be there, amen, amen? So that's where the calling kind of starts, right? And then eventually, as uh, in, uh, I remember uh, um, in, uh, what was it? The first ministry I really liked in church was counseling, uh, uh, talking to kids, right? I used to go to the juvenile halls. Uh, I would uh, get a bunch of kids, and they would sit down, and I'd be, hey, what's up, Holmes, right? Uh, hey, what's up, man? Where do you live? I would, they would say, oh, I live over here, right? And then they would tell me about their neighborhood, where they were from. They would tell me about what they did out there, how they had, some of them even confessed things to me right away, like, oh, I killed a few people, or I did a few things. And so I fell in love with this ministry. I used to go to Camp Gonzalez in Malibu. Um, then I got away from church, and uh, I went my own way for a few years, and uh, I came back to church, and I was like, man, what do I want to do, right? I came back to St. Thomas. I was a uh, part of a ministry called Prevención y Rescate, Prevention and Rescue. And William Portillo said, why don't you start going to the uh, uh, juvenile halls again? So there I start going. And uh, uh, next thing you know, in uh, 2007, 2008, you had to go get a badge. You had to apply for a badge. I was like, okay, you know, I got no felonies or nothing. I had six, six tickets on my record. And so they denied my application. I was so bummed out. I was like, God, man, but I love these kids, man. And I love talking to kids and gangs. And uh, I get a call to go to Colorado to speak to some youth. I get up there and I'm like, uh, I go do this retreat, right? It, it went pretty well. And uh, this brother named Lorenzo uh, invited me to help him at this retreat. And the next year, they didn't invite Lorenzo, they invited me. And so I go up there, right, and I had, uh, I was supposed to bring a few preachers with me from California because supposedly they're the best, right, amen? <laughs> and uh, the, this, this brother and his wife canceled on me, and I show up there alone. 
And they're like, hey, hi, brother. Hey, God bless you. They're hugging me. They're like, uh, the youth are ready. And I look and I see like uh, 200 young people in Olathe, Colorado. And I'm like, um, what am I going to do? Right? I go into the Santissimo. I start crying. I'm like, oh, God, this is going to be a disaster. They're asking me about the preacher. Where are all the preachers? And uh, that day, God told me, don't worry. I got this. Sure enough, Saturday night, uh, we do the holy hour. Youth are falling down in the spirit and are crying and are being delivered. Nobody even touching them. They're being delivered from evil spirits. Sunday, the same thing happened. It was even more intense. And then I look back. I said, oh, man, God had told me he had it, right? Amen? He had it. He was taking care of it. All you have to do is follow his lead, and he's going to back you up. How is he going to back you up? You get called to do a testimony. His spirit will be there with you. Amen? You're going to go sing somewhere. You're going to go worship. It's going to be his spirit moving in the people. It's not just going to be you. If it was you, I'd be like, good luck. You're going to fail, brother. But if it's you and God, it's going to work out. Amen? Nehemiah goes back. Let's give the Lord a round of applause real quick. <laughs> Nehemiah goes back, and he goes to his people, right? And this is uh, Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17. Afterwards, I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. So Nehemiah is honest, right? You see the trouble we're in. How Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been gutted by fire. I'm sure there were some people that were like, what are you talking about? I like it this way. It's smoky, right? Amen. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem so that we may no longer be a reproach. Then I explained to them, this is awesome right here, how God had shown his gracious favor to me. And what the king had said to me, they replied, let us begin building. And they undertook the work with vigor. So if you see the story, Nehemiah gets permission from the king. Amen. He gets supplies. He gets a letter. He gets money. He goes out to the people. The people accept the message. They say, what? Let us rebuild the wall. What is the message for you tonight? That the sower has a vision, right? The vision is to go out and tell the people of Los Angeles, the English-speaking community of Los Angeles, that God loves them. That God wants them to have a relationship. And not only that, God wants these people to know him through the scripture, through the church, through the sacraments. But then what? Because sometimes, you know, this happened to me early on, right? Anybody ever been there? You're sitting in the back, and you just become a critic. Anybody ever been there? You're like, I remember one time I was at, I was at church, and uh, there was this awesome choir supposed to come, and they didn't come, right? And we had to listen to the choir of the parish that I used to hear all the time. I said, ay, 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 right? I look at my clock. I say, I don't want to hear these people. I'm out of here, right? They're like, hermano, José, ¿dónde va? I was like, oh, I'm just going outside to freshen up, right? I'm going to go use the bathroom. Man, I got in my car. I took off, right? Then 
I started coming and I would hear a preacher, man, this dude is too old. What's he doing at a youth group, man? This dude has gray hair. And, and, and I was sitting there, I was becoming a critic. I was becoming a fat sheep. What's a fat sheep? He's just eating. Bah, just, it, you get so heavy that you can't move out of here. And bah, they're not singing right. Bah, they're not doing it the way I would. And one day, God told me this crazy thing. Why don't you talk to them? Why don't you get up there? Okay, Mr. Know-it-all. God didn't necessarily say all that, but why don't you share with them? Share about what? About how I delivered you from drugs and alcohol and pornography. You have a testimony, but God, I'm timid. I don't know how to talk. I'm going to anoint the testimony. I'm going to move the people. I'm going to tell them. It's going to be my spirit. It's going to be my grace. And I'm going to save them, not you. Amen? So here's Nehemiah. He's telling the people about the vision. And they say, let us begin what? Building. That means that as sowers, you guys have to be builders. Amen? Build what? People. The ministry, right? Build the team, right? Pump up the team. Encourage your brothers. Build up the team. And then the people that come here from the street, from those bad relationships, from the marijuana, from the alcohol, you build them up. You spend time with them. You encourage them. You teach them the word of God. You open up the catechism. You tell them when confessions are. Amen? You tell them when the masses are. You go with them. You invite them. You pick them up. So many times I remember picking up people. Now, Proverbs 29, 18 says, without a vision, the people lose restraint. The people lose what? But happy is the one who follows instruction. And this is the good news. I don't need a roadmap. I don't need to create one, right? Part of the vision, I have a vision for my life, what God is telling me to do. But then there's already something set in stone amen the catholic catechism the bible i already have some roadmaps that i just have to read study and follow and if somebody comes up and says hey brother you know you're single it's okay you know if you meet somebody and uh you know you go out on a few dates it's okay you know don't worry about it and then i say all oh, the catholic catechism tells me otherwise amen Tells me to wait. Amen. <laughs> All right. So here we go. Now, how many guys know that the enemy, man, enemy doesn't like visionaries? <laughs> I'll share with you another quick story. Years ago, I was uh, trying to be a gospel rapper, you know, right, brother? Me and Christian, we sort of know that path, right, of, of gospel rap and all that. We enjoy it, right? We like it. You want to see Christian jump up and down, put on some gospel rap, right? He, he goes, <laughs> and next he, he's, he's just love like, whoa, all right, all right, hey, relax, relax. <laughs> Got to put a, throw a bucket of cold water on him now. But, you know, I, I, uh, uh, 
uh, was in my house and there was this brother, his name was George, and I had composed a song. I used uh, Dr. Dre's G thing beat and you know, I started, ain't nothing but a, a God thing, baby. And you know, I started rapping in my room and he's listening. And next thing you know, he's like, oh yeah, man. He's bobbing his head, he's, <laughs> he's dancing, you know. <laughs> he's like, that's cool. I go, George, you think at the next retreat I could rap? He goes, I don't see why not. I go, cool, let me know when. So he gets up, <laughs> I'll never forget, he's doing a talk. And he's like, and, and there's people out there who uh, think that gospel rap is a thing. No, all we need is the Bible. All we need is el evangelio, he says. And he was just like literally throwing, uh, uh, shooting me down with a flamethrower. I was like... Oh, he's attacking me, right? I remember I got so depressed. I said, I'm never doing this rap stuff again. Have you ever been there? Somebody kind of pushes down your dream, right? This is what the Bible tells us. Nehemiah 4, verse 1. When Sambalat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites, the people who had taken over Israel at the time, the rulers, heard that the restoration of the walls of Jerusalem was progressing for the gaps were beginning to be closed up, they became extremely angry. They became what? Extremely angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw us into confusion. Throw us into what? What does the enemy want to do? Get us confused. Get us away from the vision. Get us away from the goal. The Bible says they plotted to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw us into confusion. We prayed to our God and posted a watch against them day and night for fear of what they might do. The Bible tells us a thief comes only to steal, slaughter, and destroy the vision of the Lord. Amen. Now, sometimes the opposition will come from within. Amen? Nehemiah 4.4 says, Meanwhile, the Judahites were saying, Slackened is the bearer's strength. There is no end to the rubbish. Never will we be able to rebuild the wall. There are some people inside that were like, You know what? It's never going to happen, Nehemiah. Let's just give up. Just go back. Just quit. I remember being part of the youth group, and there would always be some brothers. We had a spiritual youth group at San Marcos in, in Venice, and there was always like three or four people that would come, and they wanted us to party. They wanted to turn our youth group into a party. Hey, brother, you think we can go to Magic Mountain every month? Or they wanted to hold dances, and you know, all those things have a place, amen? I have heard of Catholics who only come to church to play bingo. That's, that's cool for them, right? <laughs> amen? I've literally heard of brothers that, that they never come to Mass the whole year, but then there's like a bingo tournament, and they're there early at 5 in the morning setting things up. It's so weird, right? <laughs> so these people were trying to distract the vision. We're never going to do it, man. What's the point, Nehemiah? We're being threatened. Look, Sambalat and the Ammonites, and they're all coming against us. What's the point? Let's give up. I remember those brothers that would come to the youth group and they'd be like, let's have, it, let's have more dances and more fun and let's go out and let's do this. And, 
you know, it all had its place. Amen. But what was the vision of our ministry in those days? That young people have an experience, a life changing experience with Jesus Christ and that they get filled with the Holy Spirit and that they return to their parish and begin practicing the sacraments, get to know the word of God and be a young example for young people. Right. I came from that environment. Amen. Well, some people will try to distract the vision. Now, I love this part. Read this part right here. Nehemiah 4.12, every builder while working had a sword at his side. What do you guys see when you think of a sword at their side? They're building, right? They're building the wall, but what do they have on their side? The Bible, the word, the word of God is living, sharper, sharper than a two-edged sword, amen? They had a sword tied to his side. A trumpeter stood beside me, for I had said to the nobles, the magistrates, and the rest of the people, our work is scattered and extensive, and we are widely separated from one another along the wall. Wherever you hear the trumpet sound, join us there. Our God will fight with us. What is he saying? Let's stay united. Let's stick together. Keep your sword at your side. Stay in prayer, right? If you see things happening uh, 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 in the ministry, if you see struggles and trials and temptations, if you see someone fall, grab your sword. It's important that you persevere. It's important that you continue seeing the vision of Jesus walking toward Gethsemane and toward the cross. Amen? The Bible says this. Thus we went on with the work. Thus we went on with the what? With the work. We didn't give up. We continued. We were strapped. We were armed. We knew the threats were coming from this side and from that side and from within. But we continued in the work. We focused on the vision of rebuilding the walls. Thus, verse 16, at the same time, I told the people to spend the nights inside Jerusalem, each with an attendant, so that they might serve as a guard by night and a working force by day. Sometimes we got to fast. Sometimes we got to stay up late for the ministry. Sometimes we got to pray for that person. Right now, lately, it's been my daughter, right? That's the person I've been focused on praying for her and sometimes God will give us an assignment and if you're part of this ministry what's your assignment the sower ministry amen it's success it's progression that it may not lose the vision right then it says neither I nor my kindred nor any of my attendant attendants nor any of the bodyguards that accompanied me took off our clothes everyone kept a weapon at hand. And Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle is not with flesh and blood, but with the principalities, with the powers, with the world rulers of this present darkness. How many of you guys know that the enemy wants to destroy the sower? The enemy wants to destroy your individual walk. The enemy wants to come against your vision and destroy it. Amen? I remember years ago, I was a little careless and lackadaisical and i took a few sips of some alcohol and next thing you know i was back at the parties and the clubs and i was next thing you know i only wanted to take it that far 
But the enemy took advantage. And next thing you know, I couldn't get out. I was like, oh, how did I get here, right? You ever been there? How did I get here? You ever been there where you're at a party and some, somebody wants to jump you and somebody comes and they're like, hey, man, see those three guys over there? And you're like, oh, yeah, they look big and they look mean, right? <laughs> and they're, they're like, oh, yeah, they want to get you after the party. And you're like, how did I get here, right? And you're looking for the back door or you're like, <laughs> that's how it is. That's how it is. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. The enemy wants to destroy the sower LA. Now, we're starting off, right? It's the new year. It's like, yeah, let's pack this place. Let's uh, uh, get it going again, right? Amen? Let's, let's get into prayer. Let's get into the enemies. Also, he doesn't sleep. And he's trying to get us to focus on something else to get a little distracted. And I like Nehemiah. He kept on his clothes. He kept his sword by his side. He continued to focus on getting this job of building the wall done. Amen. And if we keep going, the wall was finished on the 25th day of Elul. The work had taken 52 days. How many days? When all of our enemies had heard of this and all the neighboring Gentiles round about had taken note of it, they were very discouraged for they knew that it was with our God's help that this work had been completed. Again, what is the vision for your life? Is your vision to help young ladies come to the sower? To help them get integrated in the ministry? Is your call maybe for the juvenile halls? I mentioned juvenile hall ministry. Is God calling you to be like me, a marriage and family therapist? What is God calling you? Is he calling you to speak, to come up before the people, to share your testimony? Is he calling you to sing here with Jesse, with our sister over here? Man, I, I give them props, man. Let me just... Stop real quick. Where, where are you guys coming from? Orange County, right? I remember you. <laughs> they're, they're coming from Orange County, right? Guess where I came from? L.A., right around the corner, right? I work right around the corner. I gave you credit, right? They got, the sword, they got their sword at their side, amen? They sacrificed. It took a struggle to get here through traffic, right? So the walls were built. And what does it mean to build the walls? The defenses. To have a prayerful atmosphere. To have people knowledgeable of the word of God. To have people understand what it means to receive Jesus Christ on Sundays. Amen? To know how to pray, pray the chaplet, right? Amen? To know how to pray the rosary, right? To know how to lay hands on people. That's what it means to have the walls built that when people come here and they're hurting and they're lost and they've, they've been out in the world getting rejected and beat up, that they may come to this place, right? And they may be able to climb the wall of sin, right? Climb over it, right? And come here and have an experience that allows them, right, to be protected from now on. On, right if if i'm struggling that a uh, brother right here may pray for me right 
may lift me up, may put me back on the wall, right, that's already been built, right, amen, and that future generations may be able to come to Sower LA. The last thing they did, all of a sudden Ezra appears, and the Bible says he reads the word of God to the people, and some of the people were a little sad. They were eating And some of the people were thinking about what they had gone through, right? All the suffering, all the rejection, being made fun of, being clowned. And Nehemiah 8.10, one of my favorite passages, says this. It says, where is it? Go and eat foods, rich foods, and drink sweet drinks. If you're diabetic, don't do this. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and a lot portions to those who had nothing prepared. For today is holy to our Lord. Do not be sad in this day. For rejoicing in the Lord is our strength. I'm going to just summarize this part. They rebuilt the walls. Amen. Nehemiah was the cupbearer. He heard about his people. He had a privileged position. Amen. He was there next to the king. He was in a palace and he heard about people, his people far away in another land. He could have just said, "Ah, I can les vaya bien, right? So we do sometimes as Latinos, I can les vaya bien. (laughs) No, but then it, it hurt him. So he started to pray. And he started to pray and he started to pray. And all of a sudden, God put this idea in his head. Go yourself and rebuild the walls. And he's like, but I'm here, God. I'm stuck. I'm the cupbearer. There's no way. How can I go over there when I'm over here? And the king sees him one day and asks him, what's up? See, oh, no. What's going on? ¿Por qué andas tan triste? What's up with you? Ese, right? <laughs> and he says, hey. My people are over there. The walls are, 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 are down and our people are in ruins and our people are suffering. And for some reason, this king, le pegó, si o no, right? Got him in the cora, right? Oh. Yeah, I feel you, eh? Go. Go, Nehemiah. And Nehemiah gets there and then he looks around and he's like, ay, ay, ay. Híjole. All these dudes are pessimists. He had a whole bunch of pessimists and a bunch of Debbie Downers, see or no? And a bunch of desanimados, right? And uh, he's like, let's rebuild the walls. And he's like, okay. And next thing you know, Nehemiah says, oh, he goes back, he prays some more, he comes out and he says, let's rebuild the walls. And he notices a little bit more, okay. And the next thing you know, They say, let's rebuild the walls, right? God is in this. God is going to help us. God is here with me. God showed me. God talked to me. God gave his favor. A pagan king is interested in this project. And next thing you know, the gente, they gather. And then also the enemy comes up. Hey, man, what are you guys doing over here? And starts threatening them. So they pull out their sword. And they build. And they have their sword in hand, right? They're ready for war, but they keep building. And I guess that's what I want to tell you tonight. We got to be ready for war. We got to rebuild people. 
We got to rebuild the ministry, but we also have to know how to battle the enemy. We also have to know how to pray. We also have to know how to fast. You think that I got up here and I've persevered all these years uh, uh, just by uh, looking handsome, see or no, and wearing a tie and all that stuff? No, it has nothing to do with that. I had to get on my knees. I had to go confess, right? When I made a mistake, I had to be over at St. Joseph or at St. Monica's confessing my sins before a priest, right? I had to get back on my feet. I had to get back in the word. I had to, I had to dive back in, amen? Rebuild my own walls, amen? Let's stand up and let's pray. I had to rebuild my own walls. And maybe tonight that's the message. The vision. How are you going to rebuild your walls? How did it come crumbling down? Some people say the holidays. A lot of eating. A lot of food. Getting caught up with the compadres. The tios. Getting distracted. Falling into something. Looking at a website you shouldn't have looked at. Thank you for listening. Please visit SowerLA.com for more information. Don't forget to download the Esne app or go to JesusTheSower.com to listen to Esne the Sower, the Sower Ministry, moving with confidence.